Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. This Thursday, October 28th, yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS board here on Long Island in New York. And as always, you guys know, I'll be bringing on my THS line mates, Mr. Joe Yurden from the great city of Buffalo, Mr. Tam Bamford from the great city of Chicago, and rounding out the show these days, Mr. Steve Palumbo out in the great state of California. And to all our Montreal Canadian fans out there, and fans up in Canada, hang in there. Costa's going to be joining us again real soon here down the road, right here at THS. It's very early in the season. We're just getting started, and here we are, uh, week three. And here's the deal, folks. You know how much fun we like to have here at THS, running around the league, have a lot of fun talking about the game. We love doing it here. Myself, Tab, Steve, Joe, and Costa. And as you guys always know, too, I usually run through, woo, um... You know, my little spiel here in terms of what's going on in the league, running through the games last night, tonight, and, uh, you know, point leaders and so on and so forth. Look, here's the deal. I'm not going to do that this week. Uh, again, we, we have a lot of fun here at THS, and we also want to thank everybody who's been listening uh, to us uh, and coming back this season with us, too. We see it. We see the numbers, and we appreciate the audience that you guys are giving us here, too. So here's what the deal. I'm not going to go through my usual stick this week. Uh, today's a little serious. Obviously, uh, we're going to be uh, discussing in length the uh, investigation with the Chicago Blackhawks, Kyle Beach, and everybody else that's involved with this thing. And we're just going to, I'm going to, you know, just bring the guys on and we're going to get into, um, you know, conversations about this. All right. And the other thing, too, I want to give everybody a warning. We're putting the explicit label on this show this week uh, because we want to keep it real. Because uh, all of us here, we're, we're kind of upset about what happened here with Kyle Beach, and I'm sure... Everybody in uh, not only in uh, the hockey community, sports community, uh, but in the life community, in the community of life, uh, when something like this happens, it can upset you. And um, we're going to get into it in depth here, too. I talk to Joe a little bit about the Sabres and some of the stuff that's going on. Obviously, Tab, uh, deeply rooted in Chicago, covering the team for years. And uh, we're going to get into it in depth with him. This is going to be pretty close to his heart, too, as far as you know, knowing Everyone and anything that goes on with what's involved with this story coming out of Chicago and the investigations and 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 where this is going to go from here, um, you know Steve too as well. Uh, we'll. We'll do a little bit on the, on the Avs as well too and and the Devils, but we're going to focus today on on Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, myself, Tab, and Steve, we're all dads. Uh, we all have kids in sports, and uh, this is kind of close to home for us. Joe, you all know Joe, how passionate he is about this. He's such a, you know, all my guys here on THS are, are incredible human beings. They're good guys. And Joe wears his heart on his sleeve, too. And if you've been following Joe on Twitter um, the last 24 hours, too, you can you can see how this has affected him, too. So I'm not going to ramble on here. Uh, unfortunately, 
you know, Costa too, he's a coach. He does amazing things with D-Skate up in Canada, working with kids with disabilities. And he's been a coach too. And I, I you know, we're not going to happen today to talk to him about this, but maybe, you know, down the road, I, you know, Costa is just a, another great human being too. Um, and I'm sure this is affecting him as well too, in terms of, you know, this kind of a story coming out of the NHL. So the thing is, is I'm just going to bring the guys on here and we're going to get into it. And again, Costa's going to be joining us here down the road. Uh, he's got some conflicts at work right now and stuff, but you know, we're not replacing Costa. Costa's going to be part of the show going forward as soon as he can get uh, things going. And I'm going to shut up rambling on here, and I'm going to bring the guys on, and we're going to talk about this. And before we, before I stop here, again, I, I want to thank uh, everybody who's been tuning in here to THS. You know, we started this last year uh, through the COVID stuff and the, and the, the, the different, in the 56-game season last year and everything else, and now we've got a full season. And we love the game. We love the players. We love the history. We love everything about this game. Uh, this is personal today. This is unfortunately, and this has to be, talked about and we want to be advocates for for people like Kyle Beach okay for kids for adults and we hope after you listen to today's show you know we hope you'll you share this and also share your own feelings too on Twitter or on Facebook I post these shows on LinkedIn as well too you know thsradio.com and please follow us at that hockey show and please follow my buddies who join me here every week. They're just super, super guys, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be able to talk with these guys. So with that said, let's move on. Well, that's enough of me. It's time to head on off to the great city of Buffalo and bring on my That Hockey Show teammate right here in the face-off circle. As always, Mr. Joe Yarden. Joey, what's going on up in the... Windy city. It's in that Chicago, but it's Buffalo. But I mean, it's windy up there too and cold, right? How you doing? Listen, you live by a great lake. Everything's windy. And we got two of them. We got one to the north, we got one to the west. So. I'm getting cold just looking at you, man. I see yeah, the sweatshirt. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know if the heat's on in my building yet because, you know, summers lasted until like a week ago. So I don't I don't know, man. I've heard some of the radiators whistling a little bit, so I don't I don't know, man. But it's coming. You know yeah, it's coming. Well, it, it is coming. Winter never doesn't arrive here. Even when it's a soft winter in Buffalo, it's you still have like a, a couple of weeks where it's like, all right, there's two and a half feet of snow. You just walk out the door one day and it just smacks you in the face. I'm exactly. Here. Oh. Your face covered in sleet. You know, there's there's two feet of snow on the ground. So for some reason, it's minus thirty, and you're just like, okay, all right. Well, you know who's not cold in Buffalo these days? It's the very hot Buffalo <laughs> Sabers, baby. Who the dog, baby? Look at that! What a show against Tampa the other night. Come on, buddy. Get them ready for the playoffs. It's looking good. Push the the champs around. Taking Stamco's elbows and everything. People can be buying their playoff tickets now, but they got to buy some regular season tickets first. Uh, All right. (laughs) Maybe I just got a little excited. Listen, you're getting excited for everybody else here because people, people, like, listen, I know nobody's going to the games. Nobody's going to the games. Maybe they'll change, you know, if they go 4 Even when Bucci was in town on Friday? Even with, the, even with the promise of him buying everybody a beer <laughs> if they sold the place out, they had it was their lowest attendance of the season. Oh my god! Like, Gucci okay. doesn't have the pull right. anymore. I mean, well, he did make a promise though. Like he did say, I think he said on Twitter as the game, you know, before the game started, he goes, "All right, it's not a sellout tonight, but if you see me out somewhere, I'm I'm buying." And I was like, I should have texted him, and been like, 
John, where are you going? Yeah, where are you, buddy? <laughs> John, where are you hanging out tonight? <laughs> <laughs> but it's but um, but you know, I I mean, listen, I I'm I'll never get on the fans for avoiding for avoiding buying tickets this year because what reason have they had to buy tickets for this season coming up? And like, I've been I've been very much on the bus of like, be positive about this, enjoy it for what it is. Because it will end. It will end. It's just a matter of when. No stratomas over here. It's gonna not be fun, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, here we go again." It's like just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for what it is right now, and be ready because it. You know the 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 lack of talent that they have on the team is gonna catch up to them at some point. There's no way. Just got four goals. What are you talking about? Listen, team is loaded with talent, baby. Full I mean, one and one, heading out to the West Coast tonight. They're going to crush the Ducks. What do the Ducks got? John Gibson? That's it. John Gibson's a guy they've wanted to trade for, like, for the last two years. Well, then, you know what? When they're out there, bring them back on the plane to the next city. <laughs> Let's go. Make a trade while you're out there. In between know, you, periods. You give up Craig Anderson for him right now? Craig Anderson's like a 950 goalie. So is Dustin Tukoski. Throw Tukoski in with the deal. Two for one. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get Johnny Gibson in a Sabres uniform. I'm all for it. <laughs> hey, those you're, two you're... guys have been doing great, man. Let's talk about the dynamic duo in Buffalo, baby, and the pipes. It's it's pretty wild. I mean, Anderson's played, what, four, four of the six games. And he's got like a, what, a nine, 943 save percentage or something like that. And then Dustin Tokarski's like a 951 in his two games. He's given up like maybe two goals, maybe one. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I mean, you know, listen, before they played Tampa, it was just kind of like, you know, they lose to Boston. Okay. You know, losing a shootout to Jersey. Okay. But then they play Tampa and you're like, this Tampa's, taking a lunch from them the last you know three four five years here mm-hmm. and buffalo's usually good for hulking up for one of those games and you know taking you know getting a point or two and just saying all right we got them and they totally danced all over tampa in that game like the the first period was a little rough but like they owned the rest of the game and brian elliott you know didn't have a great night like whatever like that's fine i mean hey listen if everybody wants to start their backup goalie against Buffalo, and I understand why, if you want to do that, but if everybody wants to do that, Buffalo's going to steal a lot more games this season than than people were going to expect because of the way they play. And I think the way they play, the way the the way that they're structured, the way they play it, the way they execute it, it's pretty good. Like you can cover you can cover a lot of lack of talent by playing that way. You know, just by frustrating other teams and getting up in their face and making the, exactly. making them turn it over. Like that's. That's the way you make up for for a lack of talent is by playing a real team game, and they're doing that. And like that's that's the best part of of all of what they're doing right now. Like that's the feel good part of all this. You know, as long as you want to ignore you know Jack and and everything going on on the sidelines with with what's you know with what's not going on there. Like if if you want to like not think about that stuff and not think about how abysmal it's been the last you know seven eight nine years like do you want to put out all out of mind and say like i am laser focused on this season and this season only it's pretty great like it's a great story (laughs) it's super fun but you can't ignore all that stuff you can't you can't just sit there and go like yeah maybe they've shaken all of this off maybe this is just the start of something new maybe could be i don't know might be possible but am i buying into it right now no absolutely not 
if they're still playing like this and they're still shocking people by the end of December, I'll come around. You have, uh, what would you call this, uh, BSTD, uh, Buffalo Sabres Traumatic Disorder. Yes. <laughs> and you, you were nice there, eight to nine years. That is 20, 30 years, Joe. I mean, come wow. on. I mean, I mean All right. at least at least in the last 20 years, they were making the playoffs regularly. Yeah. All right, well, you know, look, they, let me... they made a couple of conference finals. They made the Stanley Cup final in one year. Like, I mean, that was, how long ago was that now? 21 years? 22 years ago? Yeah. yeah. 1999? And buddy, no. look, I mean, how how painful is it to be watching these goals being loud with guys in the paint for Buffalo Sabres fans? What's the story oh. there? That hurts, man. <laughs> that hurts. Well, let me tell you, it's funny. A friend of mine gifted me a a an old NHL rule book, and it's the one from the 99, 98-99 season. And I go, oh, the last year of the the the, the, the skate in the crease rule. And she goes, she goes, yeah, that's why I wanted you to have it, because she's like, I might burn it at some point. And I was like, well, you saved it this long. That's pretty impressive. And she's like, I'm telling you just that it's in my presence is always very torturing. I go, that's that's fair, but I'll hang on to it. Oh, <laughs> like that's that's a nice relic from the past of like when for two <laughs> years they had the, the world's dumbest rule in hockey where, you know, your skates in the crease. It's automatically not a goal. It's like having ghost runners in baseball. Like, get, get out of here, please. Yes, please. Glad that's gone. But that's a whole other thing. What I want to ask you about is the, in addition to them obviously having a great game against Tampa, but bouncing back after pretty much a butt kicking on Friday against Boston, the Bucci game that we were talking about. Um, I mean, I think, you know, as far as a young team here in, in Granada, too, I think that was a nice, even though it's early, but it's still nice to come back. Uh, anything you see there from from this lineup uh, that might be different in the fact that they, they were able to bounce back? You know, they had the little high there, the, the good start out of the gate the first couple of games. Boston brings them back down to reality. You know, guys like you and everybody else going, oh, Tampa's going to come in. Here comes the, the – the, they're going to start getting crushed here uh, mm-hmm. before the road trip. But, you know, they stand up. They have a great game. So any little thing there that you saw between the two? I mean, I think you, maybe you, you give some – a little bit of a pat on the back for, for that kind of a turnaround against two of the best teams in the league. Oh, yeah. And to me, my, my whole thing was how they would respond to getting slapped in the face, you know, or punched in the face or, you know – kicked in the stomach by another team where it's, you know, the, the, the butt kicking that you figure was going to come to them at some point <laughs> during the season, how would they respond to that? And I, I think the way they responded against that against Jersey, the following night after, after, you know, losing, losing to Boston, Linus Omar comes back and haunts them nearly gets a shutout. Um, like that was a lot of things working against them. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. they could have just hung over and they played really tough at Jersey. Like they, you know, they had that, you know, they get, they score the first period. They hold on to the lead through most of the game. They get in the third, you know, I think he sure ties it up. And then they were hanging on <laughs> like they were hanging on for like they were gassed. They're hanging on for dear life. But they got yeah, the they, point, Joe. They got the point. They got the point. And you know what? Losing a shootout or no, sorry. That was an OT. That was an OT game. Um, you know, late goal over t- like whatever. Like you got a point. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a road game. You're coming off a bad loss. Get a point, call it a win. And then you come out and you beat the pants off of Tampa. Cool. Like, that's – to have the mindset of just to shake that off and just move right on, if they can keep that, is a really good thing. Because in the past – again, the past, you have to all – we're, all we're judging here is by what's happened in the recent years. Is a bad loss would end up turning into two or three or four or five. Or eighteen in a row, <laughs> you know, like that's that's how things that's that's how things have gone here. But um, this road te- this road trip is going to be a good test for him. And you know, listen, 
the the quality of competition not that great i would say like anaheim's not you know i mean on paper not a great team san jose is playing way above board mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned uh la la's got d injuries you know dowdy's out now yep. uh they, they lost walker for the season I think Walker was only in the lineup because uh, – no, no, he was, he was one of their steadier starters. I'm thinking of Austin Strand, who they called up because Dowdy was hurt. And it's just like, okay, like, you know, Craig Willinen, who the Sabres picked up of a waivers from the Kings, is going to be, like, coming back into town. The Kings are going to be like, can we just keep him? Can we just take him <laughs> back, please? Like, maybe. Um, but, like, you know, Kings got de-injuries. Kings at store. Like, that's – you know, Kopitar still looks brilliant. So, I mean, he's a guy who's been a, a pain in the Sabres' butt in the past. And, you know, goaltending, I mean, Cal Peterson passed on signing with the Sabres a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Now he's now he's the man. In LA and, you know, like, I, I mean, if you want to like if you want to design like motivations for a team, you could say like, well, hey, this guy didn't want to play play for this organization, which I don't blame him for one oh, bit. They, they had cool. Robin Leonard. They seemed stacked up. They were just like, why, why am I going to stay here? Like, well, there's no need for me to go play here. <laughs> but uh, you know, but they're playing this play in San Jose. They got to play in Seattle, which yeah, the, the three game West Coast trip now is a four game West trip. Four yeah. game West Coast trip now with the, mean, the Seattle Kraken. I'm I'm mix. glad the Vegas game is not a part of it. Like make it like a five game road trip because if you throw Vegas into the mix with that boy, yeah. The, I mean, I know the Vegas hangover aspect is a is is a thing. But the effect it has on the rest of the road trip, if you got games after that, <laughs> I don't know, drying out for a couple of days doesn't feel great playing hockey and that. No, thanks. Well, it'll be, uh, you know, something fun to watch, something to keep us up late on the uh, on the East Coast here, watching the Sabres well, on this trip. And uh, again, for uh, four games now, hey, look, if the Sabres play any way they've played, you know, especially against Tampa in the first out of the gate. I mean, Buffalo, uh, it should be fun because I think you're right in fairness in terms of where the uh, the four teams on the trip that they can play. I mean, they, they you, you'd, you'd almost think that maybe they could get a split out of the four games at least uh, yeah. if they play the way they've been playing. And if, uh, you know, either Anderson at the cost, you have a couple of good games. Yeah, I, I, a, a four or five point trip out of this isn't out of the question. Even a six point trip, I don't think, is is out of the question here. Um because I, you know, but the the thing is, I mean, historically they've they've always had rough games against LA. You know, I think LA beat them two to nothing in LA for like three straight years, three or four straight years. Um, you know, that was the height of their cup teams, though. That's that's not now. Um, and Anaheim seems to give them fits all the time down at the pond. And San Jose, San Jose do pretty well against San Jose. I mean, at least they they certainly do well against San Jose at home. In Buffalo, uh, on the road, it's going to be a little different story. But San Jose, a totally different team now. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what, like, is Jonathan Dolan and William Eklund going to get a school, the, the pants off the Sabres? Maybe. <laughs> they might. I don't know. <laughs> it could happen, though. I, I know Logan Couture likes beating the Sabres. That's for sure. But, um, and Seattle, I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? All I know is that playing in that building is going to be really difficult. Uh, you know, let's, let's just real quick talk about the Kraken here. Um, I watched the highlights. I mean, the Habs. Ooh, they suck. Um, they are mess. My goodness. But Seattle, to their credit, even though Montreal is a wounded team, but they are a professional hockey team, and they did get to the right. Stanley Cup Finals, and the coaching staff and most of the guys who played around, Price and Weber and so on, and who's who's out of the lineup and the signings and all that other stuff. Um, Seattle played a damn good hockey game against them. And mm-hmm. they're young kids. There was some good plays, some great finishing on their scoring uh, stuff. And, man, 
when you see Grubauer back there playing big time, you know, some, with some big time stops for them, and with his experience mm-hmm. playing in Colorado the last couple of years. You know, I know it's the beginning. I know it's a long season. There's so much to do. It's an incredibly tough conference and, you know, and so on and so forth. But that Pacific division is not as strong as it used to be, Joe. It's dicey. And Haxtell's got the, you know, I mean, we we joked last year about when he got the job, how boring he is and everything else. But that's that's a pretty nifty little team there in Seattle. Again, mm-hmm. not, not to get too excited, but I really enjoyed, because um, I checked in on the game, checked in on the highlights, and I, and I really enjoyed how they play. And let's talk about... That arena and that crowd, that's a freaking hockey team, Joe. A mm-hmm. hockey town, I should say. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. That's a hockey town, and that's going to help them, I think, the same way the fans in Vegas helped um, Vegas. Because, And you've seen the reports coming out, and you talk about the Sabres and, and fans in the stand and everything else. Um, Seattle's going to be sold out every goddamn night this year. So mm-hmm. that's going to help them. Yeah. it's I, I This is one where I, I, I like to take a victory lap because back in my very early blogging days – I remember writing a blog post, and this is like on a on a website that's no longer around anymore. But I remember writing a post, and it was right after it was like a year or two after the Sonics left left town and went to Oklahoma City, and in the NBA. And I was like, you know what? This is the time for the NHL to strike. Like everybody's got to get in. Like they, you got to get into Seattle before they get an NBA team back because you got to take advantage of, of a market like that. I mean, people were, you know, the, the Seahawks had their new stadium. Everybody was going crazy for that. You know, the Mariners had a new stadium and like, you know, I know the Mariners are the Mariners, so like you know, whatever, but like you get a hockey team in there. I was like, man, you can take advantage of that place in a big way because the fans are crazy. And then, you know, they also had the Sounders in the MLS, like the Sounders have a huge following. MLS teams don't usually get like 40,000 people for games. Sounders do. Yeah. Like that's nuts, man. But like, I always said, and I don't get that, Joe. I I don't get the MLS thing. I don't get it. All I see is a bunch of flags being waved and some noise. All I can say is, I I hope all those MLS players have earplugs because that's that's just annoying. (laughs) You ever been to a game? Every minute of the game, I can't even watch the highlights without the sound on. Oh man, I I I remember back in the day going to a uh, Metro Stars game at Old Giant Stadium, and it was I mean it was cavernous. Like they they didn't you know they didn't really draw. (laughs) But like everybody sat at like in the you one conversations end with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but like the supporter section, every like everybody there, it was wild, man. It was like there was you know, probably a good thousand people like just you know behind the one goal, and it was not like everybody's everybody's boozed up. They're waving flags. Was this guy you with the, there's a guy with there's a guy with bagpipes playing like during the game, and I'm just like okay. Let's go nuts, oh, man. man! But like, I mean, there's nobody in the stadium. They lost, and it was just like okay, kind of a bummer. It was still fun. But you know you can't put you can't put games like that in eighty thousand seat giant no. stadium like that no, doesn't work. But like when it comes to Seattle though, I just felt like that was just a natural fit. You know, especially the way they responded to the Sounders and they you know they went crazy for them there. I was like, well, geez, if they're going nuts for soccer, they're definitely gonna go nuts for for hockey. Like there's without a doubt, and they already had you know WHL's been in Seattle for a while, and Seattle Totems have been there. Um, you know, Spokane's got team. you know, they got teams all over that area. Everett, Washington's got teams like they've had really good junior programs in the Northwest. So when the, the you know, the Kraken get involved, I was like, all right. And then they re- redid Key Arena to a point where it's unrecognizable from what, from what it was back in the Sonics days. But the way that place was built, it's perfect for hockey. It's like the rink is essentially underground. Like they were, they were showing like some of like the, uh, the outdoor lights, like way up high in the building. And they're like, yeah, no, that's street level. And I was like, 
Okay. Well, this place is going to be, hey, it's Joel, gonna be a sorry. nice drink hey, all the you, time. I'm sorry. Did you say you've been there? No, 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 no. I've been, I've been watching very closely. Okay. So look, I've, I've actually, I took, uh, Mrs. Pauly, uh, many years ago out to see, um, we, we caught you too. They were on their, um, how to dismantle an atomic bomb tour. Oh man. Nice. Vertigo, all that stuff. And, uh, so I took her out to say, we, so we went to Seattle. It was our first time in Seattle and we spent a couple of days there and we got to see you too in that, in that building. And you're exactly right how it's dropped into the ground. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Because you, uh, you know, and we, you know, you know the Coliseum out here and stuff, and that's another kind yeah. of thing where you walk at the Coliseum, and and basically the the rink is underground, the same way, mm-hmm. but it is the same way too. And I'm I'm sitting there watching the highlights and marveling at how they, they just really did an incredible job. It's it's so unrecognizable plot. from what it used to be. Because yeah. I remember remember watching like Sonics games on TV back in the day, which is now forever ago at this point. Yeah. But I remember being like, man, that's that's kind of dark inside. Like it was like you know the old Cap Center in Washington where it looked like they had they didn't turn on any of the lights except the ones on the rink <laughs> yep. inside where you're just like, is, is there anybody here? Like, can you even see the fans? I even I don't even understand. Is there sound being piped in? I don't get it. Like a lot of those old places were like the Spectrum was like that too, where it was just kind of like. The hell's going on here? Why is it so dark? Yeah. Um, Key Arena was like that. Yep. Climate Pledge Arena is not like that at all. It is very bright inside. It's it's lightened up considerably, and I, maybe it's because of the dual jumbotrons they got in there <laughs> at each each end of the arena. Holy jeez. Yeah. It's impressive. It's a really impressive setup. But about the team, the thing I like seeing again the, them against Montreal was Jordan Everly woke up. Jordan Everly looked yeah. fucking great in that game. And he had a, a little bit of a slow start. He had maybe like one assist in the first few games. But, man, he looked fantastic against the Canadians. But, you know, again, maybe that's just because the Canadians are very bad right now. <laughs> Thank but, I mean, we know, how, we know how good Ebbs is. Like, we know how good he can play. Like, I thought that was a great pickup for them. I thought, you know, it was the absolute perfect dude to have there. It was bummer the Isles didn't keep him around. But, hey, all the better for Seattle. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh. It's um, you know him Giordano and all that stuff. I mean, like you say, you you, you look at him, uh, you know Eboli Giordano, and you see Grubauer back there, and you see these young kids uh, making it happen. And and like I said, I think it goes back to what you said about the Sabers. Enjoy it while it's happening, because it, there's probably going to be a huge crash too in Seattle as well. Once the uh, the other teams that are pretty much, um, you know, their systems and everything else, and you look around the division, I, I just think specifically in the Pacific that division, you know. Obviously, it's gonna. I think the central is gonna. I don't know, man. Just like sometimes, Joe, you just need more time to to kind of yeah. look at everything, and it's it's still so damn early, seven mm-hmm. games into the season. You know, when we get here in, in two weeks and we start pushing closer to you know fifteen twenty games, mm-hmm. you, you're gonna probably see. We'll we'll get back here and we'll look at the Sabers and we'll look at Seattle like that, and we'll see uh, these teams now with the injuries and everything else. And uh, by the way, uh, best of luck to uh, Kucherev. Uh, and his injury, mm-hmm. and we'll see him in the finals. We'll see him next yeah. year. So we look forward <laughs> he to might that. not be back till after New Year's. They're saying yeah. 8 to well, 10 Well, I weeks. hope he enjoys his you know, vacation, and we'll see him <laughs> in the finals. So I look forward to that. So nice, some nice uh, financial flexibility for the next few months. Good stuff. Well, like I said, uh, Seattle, <laughs> yeah, I mean, unbelievable, man. You can't make this up. Um, hey, look, before we uh, jet out of Buffalo, too, are you familiar with Jason Payne? Uh, the coach of the oh, uh, yeah. Cyclones there, there in Santa. I yeah. wanted to just acknowledge him, uh, congratulate him. First uh, um, African-American coach in North mm-hmm. American professional hockey, and I think that's just fantastic. He's uh, in the ECHL, which are affiliates of 
the Sabres, the Sabres. along with yeah. the um, Americans. So I just want to maybe bring him up a little bit and see if you had a couple words to say about him. Yeah, no, Jason Payne's a – I've talked to him a few times at past um, development camps because uh, development camps are always run by the, the minor league coaches, the guys from Rochester, the guys from Cincinnati. And – Payne, you know, Payne, when he worked, when he was work, he was working with uh, Matt Thomas in Cincinnati. Matt Thomas ended up moving on to become an assistant at uh, with Providence with the with the P Bruins. Uh, so and so when they were like, oh, we got to pick the coach. I was like, just pick Payne. Like, Payne's Payne's the best guy you could you could get in there. And his I, I mean, when you're coaching the ECHL, it's tough because you're not getting a ton of money, but you're getting that opportunity to coach. And Payne, like his past, like he's he'd been like a power skating coach in Toronto. He worked with a ton of guys in the NHL. He knows his stuff, man. He's to pick his brain and just talk about and like even like minute stuff like that about skating and like, you know, reading how guys use their legs or, you know, how they're doing that. It's fascinating to hear people that are authorities on that talk about these kinds of things, but also his attention to detail in the game and everything that he does. He's a natural fit. Like he, he's a guy that I would have been mad if Cincinnati didn't pick. Uh, considering he was already on their staff, he was already there. If they passed over him to pick somebody else, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, somebody's going to snatch him up and they're going to be really proud they did mm-hmm. because he's a, he's a good coach, man. And I'm, it's exciting to see, you know, you know, a blackhead coach finally in the NHL or in, in hockey, never yeah. mind the NHL. I mean, that's going to happen at some point, at some point in the future that, that will happen. And maybe it'll be Jason Payne that does it, but man, he's, he's so good. Like he's, he's a, like a genuinely good dude. He's a damn good coach. And like, we don't see a lot of Cincinnati play like that. You know, it's, it's tough to watch ECL, ECHL games yeah, because you can't, you can't find them anywhere. Like, yeah. I mean, ECHL has some kind of streaming stuff, but like, it's not fun to watch. Like, it's just, no, it's, a, know, it's like watching on like old VHS tapes and it's just like, okay, yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, it, it, it'll improve at some point, but a couple of 20 year olds in the booth calling the game, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, Hey, if I could have been 20 years old calling ECHL games, man, yeah. I'd lose, I'd lose my mind. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was call I was calling division three college games and I love that. I called a few D one games at RPI and I was like, Oh, oh man, I can't stuff. believe I get to do this. It's a student station. Hardly anybody's listening. But who cares? Like, it's yeah. on RPI TV. Like, this is beautiful. I get to do this stuff. Well, but. like, even for even for uh, Coach Payne here, too, and the ECA, you know, we joke around. The, it's a great place to start cutting your teeth. You got to start somewhere. And it's, it's a, you know, these are considered professional, uh, you know, um, organizations. So, I mean, it's it's a start. And I'm just glad that, he, you know, he's, he's getting a little recognition here. And, I mean, me personally, I wasn't aware of him. And I'm I'm so excited for him. And. Uh, this is great, and unfortunately, I just wish there were more. And it's it's too yeah. long for me, too late for me, as far as I'm concerned. Not, not, too, I, not too late for him. I'm just saying right. you, you just wish there was more of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, it, 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 there have to be guys that want to take that opportunity. Like I look at Mike Greer, who's been on the Jersey bench. You know, yeah. who's on the Jersey bench the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That guy's freaking brilliant. Yeah. I, I and ever I don't know that there's anybody who dislikes Mike Greer in in hockey anywhere. Like. I think everybody likes Mike Greer because that dude, he's funny as hell. A like he, the stories people around Buffalo have told me about the way he cut it up with some of the guys, you know, with some of the guys that were coming up through Buffalo. Uh-huh. So funny. Like, I, I heard that too, yeah. you know, it's, it's things like that where you're just like, Oh man, this, why can't they keep this guy around? Like keep him <laughs> around. Like he's good to have, like he, and he knows the game. Like he's BU guys, man. They know what, they know what, they know what they're doing. You know, I mean, people, you know, Rangers fans might disagree about Chris Drury at this point, but like, but you guys know what's going on. Like, they they understand. The jury yeah. is still out on jury. Yes, as they say here in New so, York. So yeah, so like, I mean, the days come. Like, there there will be a black head coach in the NHL without a doubt. 
Um, and you know, maybe it'll be Mike Greer, maybe it'll be Jason Payne, maybe it'll be somebody, you know, somebody else that we're not thinking of right now. Um, but it's, it'll happen and it'll be wonderful because hockey needs, hockey needs more diversity no matter what. Like yeah. it, they just need it, man. Like I, I see the work that like Matt Dumba does in Minnesota trying to draw attention to stuff. And it's like, good, good. like, thank, thank goodness there, there are people that are doing this. Now, if he could have some, some more supporters from within, Yep. you know, within his own team and whatnot, you know, sidle up to him, just put an arm around him and be like, yo, let's go, let's do this. That'll be great. But I think that's, that kind of thing is going to become more prevalent with the younger generation of players coming up because they've been more exposed to this. They're not part of that old style hockey, you know, old hockey boys club bullshit mm-hmm. that, that permeates everything right now, which we're getting a pretty heavy dose of with what's come out about Chicago. Well, um, you well, know, like that's, We'll we'll get to that in a second, but like, I I feel confident that the young the younger generations coming up are gonna be are gonna be better stewards of the game than than what we've seen from some of the older generations. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, man. We can only hope so. And um, old guys like this have to get involved too, man. Like on podcasts mm-hmm. like this, I'm pushing. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, let's dive into this uh, before I let you go here, and, and obviously. Um, you got your new noted hockey um, post up as well too. Thoughts and thoughts and thoughts, which I read, which is excellent. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's finish up here with uh, the mess in Chicago. Um, Kyle Beach, obviously um, the victim here, and then uh, Stan Bowman, Al McIsaac getting fired. Uh, Quenville right now is going to be uh, interviewed by um, Batman uh, and some. I don't care what anybody says, but it's uh, cringeworthy across the league in terms of the post game. Uh, Interviews with Taze and Kane yesterday. This is just, it's just ugly. It's bad all around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys like me and you, we're all the guys. Um, we've all played sports no matter what level it's at, whether it's on the professional level or whether you're down uh, playing, you know, rec hockey or whatever, anything with locker rooms, coaches, guys, uh, you know, competitiveness, all that stuff, high school, everything else too. As a father myself too, as with a young daughter who's playing in sports and I drop her off and I put her in the hands of coaches and administrations. We all know the horrible story that came out with the United States gymnastics team. So unfortunately here we are in 2021 and this shit is still going on. So, um, look, I've set it up, Joe. It's horrible. I just want to get your take on this whole thing a little bit. Um, and, and, and just like I said, it's unfortunate, uh, but it's these guys have to be held accountable. Yeah, and I, you know, I wrote a wrote a little about it. This is before you know Kyle Beach decided to speak on it, which is is gut wrenching to watch him speak on this. And if you don't feel any kind of empathy or sympathy or anything for him, you're a cold hearted monster. Like there's there's no way you can hear somebody speak on that and be like, I don't know maybe there's something, I don't know. There's something not right here. Like, no, there is something not right here. And it's the fact that it got covered up for 11 years by an organization, uh, where, you know, John McDonough was already, you know, they already parted ways with him, which maybe that was a signal that maybe they knew something like this would be coming down the road. I don't know. That's conspiracy theory stuff, but like, you know, with Stan Bowman with McIsaac, um, with all those guys that that knew about it and decided, eh, let's just you know let's take it easy with this. We'll we'll figure we'll get to it because we'll we have a Stanley it. Cup to win, right? And you know it's it's Quenville and you know everybody involved that that 
that passed the buck, you know, the eight, you know, team HR, every, you know, everybody, everybody passed the buck, you know, and the fact that it took them three weeks to even address it and address it, not even until after the cups, the cup was over, cup final was over. And then they, they knew what had happened. They were very well aware and they were going to address this and they still, they still gave him a day with the cup. You know, he brought it to a friggin' high school, a high school in Michigan up in, you know, up in Houghton. And they still gave him a ring. They still did all the stuff. They put his name in the goddamn cup. Like they didn't care. They they didn't they didn't give one single shit about it. You no. Know? And it's it's disgusting. And it's I was really pissed. Yeah. yeah no. You know, the last few days about this. And this is the sort of stuff that happens. And like we if you've been in around hockey at all, like you know the hockey culture and sports culture in itself kind of sucks it's like it can suck a lot because it's super macho it's super stupid and there's a lot of like this juvenile you know nonsense that happens but when you hear about what happened at beach and about how his team his teammates didn't even stick up for him his teammates didn't even rally around him his teammates busted his balls about it you know like and you know they interviewed what 10 i think they said 10 or 17 people that were you know players and coaches that were associated with the team and then the other the ones didn't want to talk on it. Really? Okay. You know, and then you get what Kane and Tave say yesterday where it's just like, you know, it's really unfortunate, you know, but, you know, Stan and, and you know, Al are, you know, they're really great people. It's like, no, stop. Stop yeah. right there. That's tough to hear, man. Stop right there, man. Like you there, you allow stuff like that to happen and you let it go for 11 years and you wouldn't have said anything about it unless the lawsuit happens. That's the part that mess that messes me up the most. This doesn't even come out unless there's a lawsuit. And that's blows my mind because all these people knew and they were, they were content to let it stay quiet. And that's what, that's what's most horrible. And that makes me wonder how much more of this stuff is out there where people are just kind of like, you know what, we're not going to say any more about this. Let's, let's be done with it. And, the fact that it's taking, you know, you know, USA gymnastics, uh, USA women's soccer, uh, going back further, you know, Baylor foot, Baylor college football, Penn State college football, yep. all these other things where all these horrific things are happening to people, yep. and it's just being swept swept away because money is more important, and the success of the league or the team or or the people running the team is more important than people's lives than human beings. Pardon me, but get fucked like yep. that is. That is that is some outrageous nonsense to think that that you can put all this stuff above people and their lives. Their Kyle Beach's life is ruined from that. Now he's got a, he's recovering from it. He's coming back from it. But like the fact that he was he was a first round pick, he was eleven. He was taken eleventh in the draft, and the team essentially bailed on him because they were because it was more important to win the Stanley Cup for the first time since the sixties. They said, well, we're not going to get distracted from this. We got to stay focused. Yeah. Cool. And he would, then he became a persona non grata within Chicago pretty quickly after that because he fell out of favor. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of blog sites were going back and looking back at how they covered Kyle Beach back in the day. And there was a lot of writers, you know, bloggers and whatnot that were looking back on, man, we're sorry. We didn't, we had no idea. Nobody had any idea. Beat writer, people are getting on beat writers case about this. Beat writers don't even know about it. And people are just like, oh, they hit it because they want it. No, man. If you get a story like this and you're a beat writer that that comes to you, that is a Pulitzer Prize waiting to be won to to cover that, to write about it, and to dig into it. 
Like there's no way any amount of, you know, wanting to keep your cut, you know, keep your credential or keep your cup, you know, to keep it being in the good grace of the team is worth covering stuff like that up. There is not, there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing that is worth doing that. It is because at that point, if you're covering a team and you want to suck up to them because for that stuff, you're bad. You're a bad person. If you, if you're, if you're deciding to be like, I'm not going to say anything because I've got it very nice here. Nah, man. Nah, man. And the people I know that have been on the Chicago beat, they, they, they would, they would blow the whistle on that. The second they, they, they find out about that. So I don't know. It's so I got a question hear, for you. You can hear me getting. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'm, and I'm, I'm with all you. This stuff because it's, 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 it's so Kyle's, infuriating. Kyle's never going to, you know, obviously he's never going to be the same. And unfortunately, no. you, you know, you got to watch Kyle too. I mean, there's, um, you know, sexual abuse is just, it's just brutal. Um, it's, you know, the league it's so hard to this, watch him talk about it. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, walk in someone else's shoes, you know what I'm saying? You know, the league also is dealing with racism too, as well too. I mean, this is, like I said, it's, it's people in power, it's people, uh, you know, success and all that stuff and people in administrations and everything else. And again, unfortunately it's not even just here mm-hmm. on the top level. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it also unfortunately happens in the in the local community as well too. So well, I got a question for you here, Joe. Before I let you go, mm-hmm. um, do, do you think guys like Quenville and Shovel Day should be also held accountable for this and maybe lose their current positions in the league? Uh, yes, I think Quenville even bef- when he spoke before the game yesterday, which for some reason he was still allowed to coach. Like I don't know how you just don't say, "Hey, take a timeout today." Like we know you got to talk to Gary tomorrow. Let's just lay low, get this figured out, and see what see, and like we'll go from there. I don't know how you let him a coach, then b not speak after the game. I don't know how him speaking before the game is okay, and him speaking after the game, a game in which the team won and they improved the seven zero and zero, might want to hear from the coach about that, anyways. But like that's besides the point because there's bigger, there's a way bigger issue that that needs to be addressed, especially given everything that had come out like it's and the fact that he said he's like i still wasn't aware of that man you're in the investigation with being in the room with everybody being talked about it like you have to answer for that like it is right there lawyers don't lie about stuff like that they talk to 140 people dude you're 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 caught red-handed man like either fess up or you know get out of the way like that's that's what it is and shovel day off I, I mean, I don't see how these guys come come clear of this. I don't, you know, and the only way if they do come clear of it, I want to know the precise reasons why. Mm-hmm. I want to know exactly why. And, you know, I, you know, and I think the other part of this that, that gets me is that I, you know, everybody was wondering what, you know, if Mark Bergervan had any sort of part in this. And apparently he didn't because his name didn't come up once mm-hmm. in the investigation, which is really hard for me to understand how that's possible considering he was the director of player personnel for the Blackhawks. Yeah. How does he, how is he not included on any conversation about that? Like how, like how, how much did they try to close ranks in Chicago that even a guy in that position has no idea or, you know, or is there more cover up going on? Like, this is the thing, like, it's not over yet. I think there's going to yeah, be a oh, lot it's, more coming this up is far from down over. the road. This yeah. is this is just the start, man. And the fact that it's the Chicago organization that's responsible for what happened to Kim Aliu, because that happened in Rockford. That was Bill Peters coaching Ro- the Rockford Ice Hogs and dropping racial epithets in and around Kim Aliu and making him feel 
like he did not belong anywhere in hockey. Unreal. And that investigation hasn't even started yet. And it's the same organization. I don't know, man. That, that's that's a foul. That's a foul organization. And everybody needs to be cleaned out. I'm with you, man. I am with you, man. Unfortunate. I don't like to leave on a bad note here with you, Joe. Some serious hey, man, stuff, though. Things got to be said. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely, man. Well, look. We'll look out for the next noted hockey column coming out from you. And everybody, next few nights, Joe's going to be up late watching the Sabres. Hit him up on the Twitter. Keep him awake. Bleary-eyed jerk over here for the weekend. (laughs) Joe, you're the best, man. Thanks as always. Always love your take, man. I love talking to you here every week on THS. Have a super weekend, and we'll uh, get some rest in between the uh, West Coast games. All right, buddy? So you're fresh and bright here next Thursday, buddy. I'll take. I'll get my naps in, Paul. I'll be. I'll be fresh as a daisy for next week. <laughs> I love it. Joe Yard, right here on THS, and THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's time to go out Midwest to the great city of Chicago. I love the city of Chicago. Unfortunately, some bad news coming out of Chicago these last couple of days with regards to the Chicago Blackhawks. And there's no better guy to talk to about right now than our pal, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back to THS. Well, you know, slow week in Chicago. Just worried about rain interrupting my kid's soccer schedule. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are the good things in life, man. Those are the good things in yeah. life. So, brother, it's been a... Uh, a hectic uh, few days here, obviously, in Chicago. And we've, we've talked about it here, uh, kicking the season off, and obviously the team in the ice uh, having its own uh, problems bad enough. But now, obviously, with the announcement of uh, the independent findings with regards to the Kyle Beach story, um, Stan Bowman being fired, uh, Al McIsaac, um, you know, uh, just all this fallout coming on. And i got to tell you, man, cringeworthy across all lines here seeing – Tays and Kane's interviews last night, but look, I'm uh, you're the pro on this. You know this team inside and out. This organization, you've covered them for years. Uh, the good times, the bad times, and uh, I'm just going to throw it back to you and just kind of let you tee this off and, and see where it takes us. Yeah, um, you know it has been, um, I would say a a crisis in fan faith uh, over the past three days or so for Blackhawks fans. Um, There are a lot of fans that have been fans of the organization for decades Uh, there, but there are, uh, I would submit hundreds of thousands of people who have jumped onto the Blackhawks bandwagon since uh, 19 and 88 arrived. And the Blackhawks became the uh, flavor of the week, I guess, every week in the National Hockey League. And this is an organization that um, has been placed on a pedestal in many regards by the National Hockey League. And uh, a big part of that was driven by uh, John McDonough. And when uh, Bill Wirtz passed away, and his son Rocky took control of the team, the first significant move that he made was to bring in John McDonough, who was a marketing guy who had been with the Chicago Cubs for years, to fix 
a franchise that at that time was regarded by many, uh, most notably Forbes, as the worst run team in all of North American professional sports. Uh, they were leaving money on the table on an annual basis. They were hemorrhaging money. And uh, they needed to do something to fix it. And what they did to fix it was bring in a guy who was uh, absolutely driven to make the Chicago Blackhawks the standard bearer franchise in the National Hockey League. And to the outside world, it certainly appeared that he had done that successfully. The Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in a matter of six seasons. They've been in, I want to say, 45 outdoor games uh, <laughs> over the last 13 years or so, starting with an absolutely beautiful, before they were relevant and hadn't even made the playoffs yet, game against the Detroit Red Wings at Wrigley Field. And, uh, and they navigated some choppy waters with, Stuff with Patrick Kane off the ice. They navigated the salary cap issues and were able to reach the pinnacle three times. And the Blackhawks had three Stanley Cups in the history of the organization before uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane arrived and then won three over the span of six seasons. And so the narrative around the team completely changed. And what we have learned really in more of the last couple years uh, which when you start looking at the broader context of these allegations and other things that have been said and done is that as president of the Chicago Blackhawks, John McDonough uh, was ruthless in his attacking of brand, uh, his building of a pedestal for the organization to be on and the efforts that he made to wrap the Chicago Blackhawks organization in Teflon. Uh, this goes, if you go back a couple years now, many people have forgotten that the, uh, there was a, an accusation made by Aiken Malou, who was a top Blackhawks prospect and draft pick, uh, of, racially charged motivation tactics and racially disgusting actions and words used by Bill Peters when he was the coach of the Blackhawks minor league affiliate mm -hmm. that ultimately led to Bill Peters losing his job. That was in the same neighborhood of time that Kyle Beach was drafted by the Blackhawks 11th overall in 2008. And if you've seen the interview, um, it was one of the hardest 25 minutes of television that I've watched in a long time. Uh, and if you didn't shed tears while you were watching him bear his soul, um, then you probably need to go to church or have a conversation with a therapist of your own, because that was one of the most courageous uh, choices that any professional athlete has ever made. And it was absolutely gut-wrenching mm -hmm. to watch Kyle Beach uh, himself out there uh, and uh, put his name on the John Doe allegations against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, 
And as you said earlier this week, the internal investigation that was launched in the wake of the uh, civil suit being filed by Beach earlier this year was wrapped up. They presented their findings in a, I think it's a 151-page report that you can read online. Um, that is the disturbing context that brings uh, clarity to what Kyle Beach was referring to in his interview with Rick Westhead on TSN last night. Rick Westhead has done an incredible job of being on top of this story and never letting it go. And uh, I'm glad that he was the one that was able to do the interview, and I think he did a magnificent job. But that 151-page report was subsidized by the Chicago Blackhawks, and there were many after watching how the organization carefully crafted the narrative around itself under McDonough's guidance over the past 10 years, um, were skeptical of how sincere the report would be. And this, this report that was published is damning, it is breathtaking, uh, and it is very surprisingly transparent. And, uh, I give the organization high marks for allowing that much detail, which is pathetic to say that mm -hmm. the organization allowed that much detail to be presented to the public uh, and that they didn't do anything to massage it or craft it or make it bullet points. Um, but that's the reality of the world that we live in. And certainly as the last few days have unfolded, the reality of the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Um, which again, it puts more context around, um, John McDonough and Stan Bowman were both received a vote of confidence, even though the Blackhawks were struggling, uh, when the pandemic began, Rocky went on the record and said he believed both men would be back the following year. And then abruptly during the lockdown or shutdown or whatever you wanted to call it for COVID, uh, in 2020, John McDonough was released of his uh, duties with the organization. Mm -hmm. And earlier this week, when the, the findings were presented uh, by uh, the former state attorney who handled the investigation, Rocky sat next to his son, Danny, who is now the, in control of the day-to-day -day with the Chicago Blackhawks. And they announced that Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac would not be part of the organization anymore. Uh, and that no one who was in a leadership position with the Chicago Blackhawks at that time would be associated with the organization, which was necessary. And frankly, it was long overdue. And um, and it's frustrating that it took that long. Um, but now you've seen um, Joel Quinville, who was the coach at the time, who, according to the report and the statements by Kyle Beach, was aware of it, which contradicts the statement that he released in July. He is facing the music at Gary Bettman's office in New York today. Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff similarly in July denied any knowledge of the events and the report indicates otherwise. Uh, he will meet with Gary Bettman in person on Monday of next week uh, and we'll see how the league plays that out. Um, but legacies have been tarnished permanently. Uh, you know, Paulie, we talk baseball a lot, too, mm -hmm. and talked a lot over the last month about 
what's at stake from a legacy perspective with the Houston Astros in this World Series. Um, and legacies have been ruined. Um, and this reflects on more than just Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac and John McDonough. I, I think when you look at the Bowman name and what that means to the National Hockey League, um, this tarnishes that entire family's legacy because Scotty was an advisor for the Chicago Blackhawks while a lot of this was going down. Yes, he was. Uh, this reflects poorly, incredibly poorly on Joel Quinville. And I submit that this may cost and should cost Joel Quinville his rightful based on the performance of his teams while he was coaching placed in the Hall of Fame in Toronto. Uh, whether or not it costs him his job immediately with the Florida Panthers, we'll see. Uh, whether or not Kevin Dayoff loses his job with the Winnipeg Jets, we'll see. Um, but uh, there's a lot at stake here. And then last night after the game, uh, a game in which Patrick Kane did not dress because he is uh, under COVID protocol at this time, he was at home. Uh, Jonathan Taves was under COVID protocol earlier this week, but got the right test results back to dress for the game. The two of them, the only two remaining players from the 2010 Stanley Cup team on the roster, met the media, and their responses to the media when asked about this initially, okay, but the more they talked, the worse it got. Yep. And, um, you know, I think if you take the first 40% of Jonathan Tave's statement about feeling as the captain that he needed to do more and learned about it in training camp the following season and how awful he feels for Beach and what he's been through personally and professionally, acceptable. And then when he pulled the Derek Carr, uh, the Raiders quarterback, who uh, said that he struggled to separate the man from the sin when uh, John Gruden was relieved of his job as the head coach of the Raiders after a bunch of awful, racially loaded, homophobic loaded uh, emails were released that he wrote on his company letterhead, moron. Um, he had he struggled to separate the sin from the man because the relationship that he had with the individual uh, over the years that they'd worked together was bigger than what he had just found out. And Sean Lalonde, who was also a top Blackhawks prospect at the time, who was also a 20-year-old black ace at the time that Kyle Beach was assaulted, um, is in Finland right now. And he gave an interview to a media outlet in Finland that went out this morning. And he said that he believes every player knew and uh, he just thinks that the players don't know what to say. And there's part of me that believes that. Um, there's part of me that believes that these players, uh, some of them undoubtedly knew more about it than others. Some of them were more laser focused on the games at hand than rumors about something going on in the locker room. Um, but this is awful for everyone in the hockey community. This is a young man that was a first round pick who had a ton of promise, who scored 50 goals in his final junior season, um, whose career was and life were ruined by a heinous act. And uh, it took us 10 years to 11 years to actually put this whole thing together and other lives were ruined as well. Um, and that's the most pathetic, sickening part is not only did it happen to 
20-year-old Kyle Beach, but it happened to a teenage hockey player in the state of Michigan as well because the Blackhawks didn't set, take this to the police. They waited three weeks, made sure that the guy had a good time with the Stanley Cup, got his picture taken, had his day with the cup, uh, and then they just let him ride off into the sunset and move on with whatever career he could. And he was a predator and he found prey somewhere else. And that was the hardest part of Kyle Beach's interview to watch was when he broke down, when Rick West had asked him about the kid in Michigan, um, he the the call. It should not have been three weeks. And then you go to HR and let him know that you're not renewing his contract. It should have been, we are contacting the Chicago police. And when the plane lands at O'Hare, they are greeting him on the plane out of sight, out of mind, because he's off the street behind bars. Not a, how is this going to reflect on my reputation as a front office executive? How is this going to interfere with the chemistry of my team on the ice? This should have been about the right thing being done. And uh, this is going to lead to an entirely new, uh, hopefully, an entirely new yeah, reckoning. Hopefully, I think is a big word there, Ted. Yeah. When it comes to how they deal with sexual assault, sexual harassment, and things of that nature. So, I mean, that, that, that's a lot of words for me, but it's been a, a, a reckoning for fans to try and mitigate their fandom in an organization and the way that they perceive the brand, uh, the way that they perceive individuals, the way that they've loved and respected and cheered for people and how they've acted through this and how they've responded in the aftermath of it. It's been very hard for people to mitigate their fandom and separating the individual from the actions and words and separating the human side from the player side, which some people are able to compartmentalize, uh, you know, off field or off court lives with who they are as an athlete. Chicago is not new to that. We've had to separate a lot of BS. I almost gave you the full spelling there. You can uh, say it. I'm actually probably going to put, you can, you can curse on this one, buddy. I'm going to put the explicit on there because, uh, you know, even talking to Joe earlier too. I mean, just getting upset about it. It's a shitty situation, man. And there's no, yeah. there's no reason to uh, sugarcoat this. And uh, you know, I appreciate your, your honesty here. And I think this is what you know it's all about. And I think um, you know, guys like me and you too, with kids and everything else and stuff. Uh, you know, and you know, this it's it's happened too often. You know, you, I said before, you said hopefully. Uh, this will make a change. It's it's 2021. This has been going on 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 every level, on the professional level down to the local, you know, community level. I mean, we have kids that we hand off to administrators and coaches. It's just the 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 whole thing of trust and and it's you know this it to see this and it, it's it's like you hate to say it. It's like well, it's you know, it's 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 common. It's still yeah. too common these days. Well, and you look at it too, you know. Stan Bowman didn't only lose his job with the Blackhawks, but he stepped away from, which by the way, the whole stepping away bullshit, um, he should not, he should not have been given the ability to step away from his position as the president of hockey operations by the Blackhawks. They should have terminated his ass with cause in USA hockey should have terminated his ass with cause. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have allowed him to resign as the general manager of USA hockey. And frankly, 
with this investigation going on, someone else should have picked the three players that are going to represent the United States. And that's not just a Blackhawks fan being pissed off that Seth Jones was named one of the defensemen instead of Adam Fox. That's this is the guy making critical decisions on behalf of an organization while the or, while this investigation is going on. At bare minimum, he should have been put on a leave of absence, and someone else should have made that decision. Yep. And he shouldn't have been given the uh, the opportunity, the privilege, to resign. It should have been a big, strong, as many middle fingers as you can muster. Get the hell out, and don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Well, all right, so, Tabo, on that note, right? Blackhawks and USA Hockey. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think maybe this is, uh, where does this go from here? You know, and how big is this thing? Because, you know, this is the big boys club. This is hockey. I mean, you, you between hazing and alcoholism and sports and the jock stuff and uh, all this stuff. And now it's it's money, it's dollars, it's power, it's all this stuff. You know, so bluntly, should should Quenville get fired? Should he be taken out of the league right now? Should Chevalier also be fired and taken out of the league? How, how big does the league go here? Does the league... How, how do we know that maybe upper people in the in the NHL, uh, you know, front offices, that they knew about this? You know, how, how farther does this go? Is this over here? Does this investigation continue to go on? Or are we going to be happy, or not say necessarily we, but, you know, you know, is it good enough that it's uh, just Stan Bowman, uh, McIsaac, and, you know, McDonough, and that's it? And, hey, look, sorry about all this that happened. We're sorry about Kyle and all that other stuff, but we got to move forward now, and, and let's just try and move on. I mean, these are pivotal moments. There's a lot going on in, in, in our country here today. With uh, It, it kind of bleeds over into politics now, too. Accountability, man. This is the thing. Yeah. And, when, well, and, and what's going to happen here? How, how, how much farther is it going to go? You know, we have, uh, there's been racism issues here in the NHL too as well. And you know that's in the minor leagues. You know, there's there's been this kind of stuff in minor league hockey and junior hockey as well too. This, I'm sure Kyle's story is one of thousands that's been buried. When is it going to stop and how far does the league and Bettman make a, a bigger deal out of this than that, that it deserves? Well, and that's why I bring up USA Hockey. Because who's supposed? Who's the next guy in line to replace Bowman, pulling the strings with USA Hockey? Vinny. Billy Garen. Oh, oh, Garen. Sorry, yeah. By the way, is under investigation for covering up the sexual assault of another coach's wife when he was in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. <sighs> so we keep entitling the same bullshit with different people in different places because it's the old boys' club. And I mean, look, when you say how, how much bigger is this, um, there is something to be said for where the Chicago Blackhawks organization is today versus where it was in 2010. When McDonough came in, he preyed on an organization that was in shambles. They had no TV deal. They had no money. They had no fans. He did anything that he could to get butts in the seats. And it worked. But you look at the pictures back then, and there were maybe one or two women that worked in any capacity in the front office of the Chicago Blackhawks. That is dramatically different today. The Blackhawks have become a much more inclusive organization, at least from a hiring practices perspective. And what we will see, and this is the other hard thing. 
there there are two players on the Chicago in the Chicago Blackhawks organization today who are on that roster. Alex DeBrinket was 12 years old when it happened. And he's got an A on his chest and he's answering questions now about the guy who drafted him years after this happened. I don't think he ever crossed paths with Kyle Beach in the organization. But guys like DeBrinket, Connor Murphy who came here by trade, you know, Seth Jones, who just signed up for another nine years in this town, are answering questions about what people that they rarely interacted with did. And it's hard for the guys that are wearing that uniform today to have to answer for things that they had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. And so as hard as it is, um, I, I want to extend some grace to the guys that are on the ice struggling to do anything right from a hockey playing perspective right now, because they're winless in seven games and they've got four games coming up that are pretty dang hard. And they're watching what was supposed to be a potentially playoff competitive team go down the toilet. And then they've got this going on in the backdrop. And so extend a little grace to the guys who are wearing the sweater right now. Um, with that being said, um, I, I, I've talked about this with my wife, with a neighbor while we were having cigars and a bourbon last night. Um, I really struggle with what should the league do to Joel Quinville. Um, and the reason that I say that is this based on the documentation that we received, there's a closed door meeting that included the head coach the mental skills coach, two assistant GMs, the GM and the president. They talked about it. Quinville's reaction was disappointing. But if that meeting did indeed happen within hours of the Blackhawks winning the Western Conference for the first time in a, ever, I believe, because it wasn't the Western Conference when they played the Penguins back in the early 90s and got their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Um his mindset coming off the ice as a hyper competitive head coach is much like Bill Belichick onto the next. And his mindset at the time was, Oh my God, this is going to crush chemistry. This is going to be a distraction. It shouldn't have been, it should have been, how do we get this dude in handcuffs as soon as possible? But there's a part of me having played sports most of my life, that understands how that would be where his initial reaction would go in that moment, hours after winning the Western Conference. I also understand that when his boss, at that time Stan Bowman, and his boss's boss, the highest level of the food chain that does not have an ownership stake in the organization, John McDonough, say, I'll take care of it, you worry about the hockey, that he would say, okay, and go worry about the hockey with the understanding that John McDonough was going to do the right thing. And he didn't. That being said, if there are meetings, as Kyle Beach said in his interview last night, happening in Quinville's office, discussing this, and this guy's around the team, that's too much of a palms up worrying about hockey. He, if I saw the dude again within a hundred yards of any of my players, I would have beat the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. And sure as hell not ex- not allowed it on my watch. And the idea that you're letting due process play out, that's what cost Jim Tressel his job at Ohio State. 
um, should have cost other people their jobs in other situations that will let the politicians like Jim Jordan worry about covering their ass on that. But the due process has become a crutch for not doing anything in a timely manner. And if due process was the excuse for it taking three weeks, it's unacceptable. But I, I, there, there is a sliver of my soul that can understand in that moment and in the, that time period, if your boss's boss, the highest level of the food chain in the organization says, I'll take care of it, you worry about the hockey, that the head coach would worry about the hockey. And I will Should say to you more. Yes. But I, there, there is a part of me that sadly can rationalize that. And then I will uh, ask you and everybody else to close your eyes and imagine Kyle Beach is your son. Right. And all that shit. And I, I, I get the fan shit and I get the, you know, it's, 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 it's no matter how hard it is for being a fan, and guys that you looked up to and all the celebrations and the success and everything, and then you find out you've been lied to, it's nothing compared to what Kyle Beach went through. Exactly. And, and Coach Quenville had a moment to maybe, maybe just make it a little easier because he might have shut down things a little sooner and changed his life a little bit and changed the life of anybody else that that son of a bitch got in touch with after this. If, if you're a great leader... You act greatly. Joel Quinville failed. Period. And that's why I believe this will keep him out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, But again, understanding the culture and the contractual nature and all the other excuses that people could give. There is a part of me that would understand if Joel Quinville was able to remain the coach of the Florida Panthers. Uh, I think at bare minimum, the league should drop a hefty suspension on him. 10, 15 games. They should fine him. Big chunk of money. Of course, what they're allowed to fine a head coach, fairly unprecedented territory. There's no collective bargaining agreement between the coaches and the National Hockey League. Do you fine him $50,000? Is that a big fine for a situation like this? Again, this is unprecedented. Which, by the way, the National Hockey League finding the Blackhawks $2 million and being like, oh, well, you know, that was naughty. Bullshit. Look at what they did to the New Jersey Devils over a frickin' contract with Ilya Kovalchuk. $3.5 million in two draft picks. And that was circumventing the CBA. This is covering up sexual assault. So I mean, bullshit on Gary Bettman doing the right thing with a $2 million fine. Yeah, you can say the This same is the kind of better. stuff that owners in other sports have been forced to sell the team for. Well, that's the thing, right, Tab? So, I mean, these, so these... like, so like to to, to answer the the initial question, I don't know if Bowman, I I don't know if uh, Quinville loses his job. There needs to be a reckoning for him. Shevel Dayoff was in the front office. He was not told to go worry about coaching hockey. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Chevy keeps his job, and I don't think he should, because if I if, if I am a an agent. I don't know that I want to talk to him. If I'm a player, I don't think I respect him. You know, and I think that's where the real issue for me comes in from the Quinville side is, you know, and we talk, and this, this was a, a talking point with John Gruden. Those were 10 year old emails. Well, guess what? He used a whole bunch of homophobic slurs in his email. And the first openly gay player in the national football league happens to be a starting defensive end. 
And some guys are going to have a closer relationship with him than others. That's what led to Derek Carr's comments. That's what led to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' comments about Bowman and the fact that th- this isn't the guy that they know. Well, I hate to break it to you, but you're in your early 30s now, so we're not going to sugarcoat the shit for you anymore because you're not a kid. Sometimes the guy you know ain't the guy who he really is. Exactly. And that's the that, but that is that is where the crisis of emotions and mitigating who you are and who the people are that you put trust in, who you've put faith in, who you've had a strong working relationship with. This is a crisis of character and emotion for anyone that's involved with it. Because if you're Jonathan Taves and you've been the captain of this organization since before the this happened and what you knew of Stan Bowman in your personal interactions was all class. And then you find out that he covered up a sexual assault. That means what he sold you was a bill of goods. He sold you a lie Yep. because his character is about as good as a $3 bill because he covered up a sexual assault for a decade. And then when the lawsuit was filed, the Blackhawks released a statement that said it was meritless which again, middle finger at your, we're proud of Kyle for coming forward now. F that. You didn't know what you were doing because you didn't know how to respond. So you called it meritless and thought the power of your $1.9 billion organization was going to be more than a 31 year old who stuck playing hockey in Europe because his life got ruined over here. So there, there's a, there, there are conflicts that are happening here. And I would not want to be Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane right now answering the bell. You know what, Tab? Too too bad. Too bad for them. Too bad for them that they've got conflicts that that they feel uncomfortable that they have to be interviewed and asked about this. Too bad for them because all of these guys involved, if they had to handle it, like grown goddamn adults, when it was going on, and be the leaders that they've been put on pedestals for as far as the sports world is concerned, if they had been leaders in life, this wouldn't be a goddamn issue. And you know what, Paul? The, the, this is At the end of the day, this is where the ethics course comes in. And all of the excuses that I made for Joel Quinville and the rationalization if he keeps his job because someone above him on the food chain was dealing with it gets us back to the problem with chain of command in these situations and the character issue that comes in with whose responsibility was it? It was everyone's responsibility. Exactly. You nailed it. Everyone. And you know what? You know what? Honestly, you know who I've got a huge problem with? I got a huge problem with former players like Brent Sopo and Nick Boynton who are backing him up, throwing other players under the bus that they, everybody knew about it. Where the hell were they for the last decade when they knew it happened? Exactly. Don't don't come at me now and say that I support the kid and this is bullshit and it should have been dealt with in the right way when Sopel played for a couple more years. Boynton had a couple more years in the league. These aren't the you know, you had the opportunity to speak up and speak out a hell of a lot earlier than now. So I, I'm not here for the like bandwagon support. And a lot of people are like, you know, at least Sopo and Boynton are saying the right things and admitting it. You know what? That's great. They should have done it 10 years ago, just like Kane and Taves and Bowman and McIsaac and McDonough. 
They were there. They knew about it. They said and did nothing. Every single person in the Blackhawks organization from the dude that picks up the jock straps in the locker room and puts them in the laundry mm -hmm. to the president of the organization should have done something. And what should they have done? No, they shouldn't have fired him. They should have put his ass in jail because that's where sexual predators belong. Absolutely. And the guy was able to go find another job and do it again and go find another job and try to do it again. And that's the problem. We fall back on the excuse of chain of command and whose job is it. And at the end of the day, it needs to be everyone's job. And you don't and you can't sit in your you know little ivory box and say, well, you know, I knew about it. Nobody did anything about it, but I knew about it back then. They're lying if they say they didn't know about it. Well, then why the hell didn't you say something then? Because guess what, Brent Sopel? You were on the roster. Your platform was a hell of a lot bigger in 2010 than it is now. When people have to Google you to give a shit about who you are when you say, I knew about it back then. Same with Nick Boynton. You were on the roster. You had a platform at that time that people would have stood up and listened. And you did nothing. But now, you, now you're ready to jump on the bandwagon and throw other players under the bus because they're saying that they didn't know about it. Keep it. I'm not here for it. You had the same opportunity 10 years ago, 11 years ago to deal with it that 19 and 88 and Bowman and Quinville and McIsaac Shevel Day off and McDonough did. Someone, somewhere in that organization, anyone, shouldn't have gone to HR. They should have gone to the Chicago police. And they didn't. And it breaks my heart watching Kyle Beach have to live with it. Because guess what? He was the 11th overall pick. He scored 50 goals in his final junior season. He was supposed to be the next Al Frickin' Secord. Mm -hmm. And then you you read articles for the next four years. And I'm not. I'm not, I'm not clear of this. None of us knew what the kid was going through. And people like me who are writing about the Blackhawks 10 years ago are asking, what happened to first-round pick Kyle Beach? Why hasn't he made it yet? Is he a bust? I'm guilty of that. Mm -hmm. And now you look back and you just, you're reminded that you don't know what demon someone's dealing with. And it gives you pause when you go after a guy for, you know, having acting out in training camp and beating the hell out of a teammate in a fight. Because guess what? He was dealing with some shit. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it watching that interview last night was 25 of the hardest minutes of TV that I've watched in a long time. Mm -hmm. And my heart breaks for the kid. And I hope that he's able to find some peace. I hope that He's able to find a place in his life that he can grow and find a way to positively move from this. You don't move on from this. This will haunt him his entire life. Yeah. Sexual abuse is one of the hardest things for anyone. to and I, I hope that he can find some peace and find a way to use this as a platform to affect change. And I hope and I pray that the hockey community is open to the reckoning and the change that Kyle Beach wants to lead. Because guess what? Akamalu wanted to be an agent of change with race. And we got off of that subject real fast. Hockey's, hockey's got a culture that's got a lot of shit that it needs to deal with. Oh, yeah. And, and race is one, and this is another. 
and homophobia is another. And the, I, I really hope and pray that this isn't something like the race issue that Akimilu and others brought up at the time that gets a lot of energy behind it and then dissipates because we're back to playing hockey. This is something that needs to see permanent action. And, and people need to be advocates for that change. And I hope that Kyle Beach isn't stuck playing hockey in Germany trying to affect that change. Frankly, I think the National Hockey League, to make things right by Kyle Beach, needs to give him a job in the front office to fix this shit. Put him in the league office in New York and give him all the money and power he needs to affect change and put systems in place to rectify this. Not at the highest level, all the way to the bottom. And USA Hockey and Hockey Canada, get them on board. Because guess what? USA Hockey needs to deal with this shit too. If Billy Guerin's the next guy in line after Stan Bowman, meet the, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Well, that's going to be the thing to watch for here, Tab. I unfortunately I don't think it's going to happen. I think it starts with the $2 million fine. And I think whatever happens with Quenville here in Shovel Day is going to be is going to be big because I think unfortunately, if those guys, I think a suspension or fines, it's like anything else. Accountability, if it's taken care of with you know a little bit of a slap on the wrist and a, you know a suspension or something like that and some money, then as far as I'm concerned, it's like all right, let's just let's just move on. And you know, and then the guys that are a part of this predatorial community. Uh, and the, the the guys that are part of covering things up or the guy, I mean, this is, and this is, I hate to say this, but predatorial stuff like this and hazing and abuse and racial abuse and homophobic abuse, this is institutionalized. It's been going on mm-hmm. since the dawn of time. So if the National <laughs> Hockey League, for me personally, let's looking on the outside here. If if this is just kind of brushed off with some suspensions and some money. It's then it, it never changes, Tab. It's never gonna change. It's tomorrow that, as far as I'm concerned, it's accepted. That's why I say this needs to go beyond the National Hockey League. Hockey it, Canada say hockey need to institute practices that go all the way to the age level. Because those organizations have a lot of crap in their past that they're still hiding. Exactly. And they want to keep hiding it. And yeah, and you know, you know what would be the strongest statement, Paul? What? The strongest statement, right, in, as far as next steps go, would be if the leaders of the Florida Panthers had a press conference and said, "We asked ownership to fire Joel Quinville because we don't respect him anymore." That would be a statement. Yeah. Wow. Gary Bettman relieving him of his job. Is the NHL doing something that the league feels has to do because of PR? The and, Florida- I'm sure, and I'm sure exactly what we just talked about. The Florida Panthers are going to lay well, let the powers that be handle it. Right. But but that's why I say that would be the strongest statement right now. It, because the Florida Panthers are undefeated. They've got a, st- a three-time Stanley Cup winning head coach who they all lined up to play for. Who they want to guide them to the promised land. And they just learned that he cares more about winning than the individual. If Aaron Eckblad stood up in front of a microphone and said, I don't respect him anymore, I don't want him as my coach, that shows that the players are ready for change. Well, 
The only time the you know NHLPA gets together is when there's CBA negotiations. Otherwise, they try and kill each other in the ice. So I don't see that happening. And you know what? It would take some pretty massive onions for somebody like Aaron Eckblad to do that. Yeah, well, it really would. But I, that that for me, that would be the strongest statement. Is it because that would be the players standing for a player and the players association and Donald fear and the players in the Chicago Blackhawks dressing room did not stand for Kyle beach. They did not. And maybe the Florida Panthers aren't standing for Kyle beach personally, but they're standing for the next Kyle beach and the Kyle beach after that. That's how you affect change. You say, we're not standing for the bullshit anymore. We don't want it. We don't want to be associated with it. That's how you change things. Well, I don't know. I'd be shocked. Completely shocked. Too. But I would be pleasantly shocked. Well, you know, it's it's like anything else. It, it, you know, in this in this world today, even beyond sports, accountability at large is very hard to come by these days. And um, you know, this is, you know, when you what I want to get here, and me and you as parents, and anybody who's listening to this, and if you don't have kids, championships, coaches, jobs, winning, all of that means nothing when it comes to the health and the, the safety of your child. And Kyle Beach has parents. And Kyle Beach is a kid, was a kid. And his whole entire life, you know, sports don't mean shit. And, you know, I I read this and I watch this story unfold. I'm a dad. My little guy's getting into sports now. My daughter is a fantastic soccer player. And, you know, like I said, we hand these, our kids off to other adults, administrators, coaches, practices, all that stuff. At the end of the day, I think everybody needs to kind of close their eyes a little bit and just imagine Kyle Beach is your kid. And I'm telling you, all those other questions about legacies and all that other shit goes out the fucking door. Yep. And, and this is where, like I said, we're hoping, you know, you talk about what the league's going to do and you talk about the Panthers and what they could do and everything else. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. Because it's this has been shit like this has been buried for year, buried buried for years. For for the the one Kyle Beach that now is out in the public, there are millions of Kyle Beaches out there, uh, yep. unfortunately. Um, and we just have to sit here and wait. But like I said, um, think of your own kid. I think that'll give you a completely different perspective. And as far as what's important with legacies and championships, and I know that's tough in sports because we're all fans. And, you know, fan, uh, sports is an escape for us. Uh, you know, we, we do this podcast because we love the game of hockey. We love the players. We love the stories. We love the scoring. We love all this stuff. This is a serious matter, and it's part of the game. It's part of all sports. You brought up Gruden. Uh, we can go on and on. The U.S. gymnastics, the ladies' gymnastics team. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many stories of abuse, whether it's, you know, sexual or racial or, you know, homophobia or, you know, financial or taunting and bullying. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And the people who are allowed to continue that and hide this stuff, again, it comes into accountability. And, you know, this is the um, the unfortunate part of this whole story. And at the end of the day, for me personally, Tab, 
as much as I love the Hawks and championships and the players and all like that, it it it's it's it means nothing when it comes to the life of Kyle Beach and his parents, his brothers and sisters, his friends, his buddies, and everybody who's seen that. And his teammates, like you said, you know, you wish you could have been they could have been there for him when they needed him. Um and that's it. Um we'll see. It's it I throw it back to Gary Bettman now in the league and the Panthers like you brought up and everybody else and everybody like yourself personally very much invested in in, in the Hawks as a fan uh, covering them as a professional uh, this is tough it's it's hard to um, you know it's hard to kind of take all in but we're talking about human beings here and their lives and sports mean absolutely nothing when it comes to like I said the safety and the health of your child and this is what this that's what Kyle Beach is he's a kid he was a kid who was abused. Uh, by people yep. that his parents trusted to take care of their kid, and they failed miserably. Yep, and it led to other kids being abused. Jeez, oh, forget about it. And sadly, that alone. that's what happens in these situations. If one person doesn't deal with it, it happens to another, and it happens to another. And you're right. I'm a parent. My kids play sports. We talk to our kids about you play the sports – the odds of you getting to the Major League Baseball or the National Hockey League are slim to none. You're out there learning character, learning life lessons on the field. And when your heroes are proven to have massive character flaws, those are hard conversations to have with your kids. But to your point, imagining this happening to one of my kids makes me physically sick. Mm-hmm. And... The fact that winning was paramount to the health and well-being of an individual is catastrophic at best. And like I said, now, now, now is the hardest part. Now it's how do we change? How do we get better? How do we keep this from ever happening again? And I think a lot of eyes will be on the Blackhawks with what they do as an organization moving forward. But I think more eyes need to be on the hockey world at large. How will the National Hockey League change? How will USA Hockey change? Will Hockey Canada get on board? What, what, what do we need to do and who do we need to give authority to make these changes? And how do we do it? And then how do we see it play out? Because you know what? There's going to be more stories that come out and there's going to be more situations like this. And there's going to be more soul-crushing stories that we learn about. The important thing is that those stories are the past and that we fix the future so that more sons and daughters don't have to go through this. Amen. Well said, brother. And we'll leave it at that for today. Um, we'll continue to take this seriously. And as we move forward here at THS2, we'll also continue to talk about the good things about the game we love. Tab, I can't thank you enough for uh, your take on this today, your honesty and, and, and everything else. Uh, incredible conversation. And I, I hope all the fans out here have tuned in to listen to it. Uh, appreciate it as well. Thanks so much, brother. Sounds good. Well, uh, we will talk a little more hockey in the future, but this is something that needs to be spoken about, dealt with, and it needs to not go away. We need to remain vigilant in keeping this from staying the reality in the hockey world. 
Totally agree with you, man. All right, brother. Have a great day. We'll catch up to you next week, pal. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon, brother. You got it. Ted Bamford, ladies and gentlemen. And THS rolls on. Well, now it's time to head on out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Anyway, you slice it. It's time to bring on our buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California. Steve, how are you this fine Thursday? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well there, Polly. I'm uh, just trying to get my wits about me here with all the things going on in the NHL and trying to uh, wrap my head around this whole uh, Blackhawks thing that's going on. It's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy time. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a focus of today's show, no doubt about it, and we'll, we'll get into it real quick um, uh, because I want to give it enough time uh, for everybody that's on the show today. So what we'll do is uh, let's just real quick, we'll uh, let's look at the abs, who you're covering, and, and, and get your take on your buddies there in New Jersey with the Devils right now. But uh, what do you got going on? Uh, I know you're covering the abs here for Hockey Buzz, and, and uh, what's your take on them here this last uh, week since we've last been on air in terms of where they sit right now in the standings and how they've been playing? Uh, it's been a, obviously it's been a rough go from the from the start. They won that opening game, but uh, they've struggled a little bit. Um, uh, obviously, they've had some injuries. Uh, they've had a few things, suspensions here and there. But uh, this team's not making any excuses. Um, you know, they they played a, a decent game against Vegas the other night, but they still couldn't put the the puck in the net. And I wrote about it yesterday. There's there's just something off about the team. They're in the bottom third and uh, goals for goals against. Uh, they're giving up a ton of shots. Uh, Darcy Kemper hasn't been all that spectacular. Um, they're not getting enough production of the big boys, Kel McCarr. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of holding back to say that he's struggling, but obviously he's not where he wants to be. And, um, you know, he had a, an opportunity to, to get the, the team back into, uh, he did score the other night, but he had another op- grade eight opportunity to, to get the team even with Vegas. And uh, he just shot the puck left of the net and, if something's not right with him, the team is just a little bit off. But, you know, I think it's going to take just a little bit of time, a little bit of patience, and I expect them to, to come around. I've already heard some of the people suggesting that they should jump in on the Ackle, or Ackle, the Eichel sweepstakes, um, <laughs> uh, A, to keep them away from Vegas, and B, because, uh, you know, Sackick is prone to to making a big splash when he needs to. But I don't think this is where that team is at. And I, I think uh, give them a few more games, and they should be back where, where, where we expect them to be. Yeah, um, I, I figure, you know, I was saying to Joe earlier, too, you know, we get to the, uh, you know, another week or two here, we get to the 10, 15-game point in the season. You know, I think that's when you can kind of maybe get a little more concerned, especially if teams are maybe going a little south of where people expect them to be. I think, you know, with Colorado right now with all the talent, everybody, you know, we're all expecting to be up, you know, like, you know, where Florida's at or where Edmonton's at right now, or even the Buffalo Sabres, right. you know, with uh, four wins in their uh, – in their, uh, in their uh, standings right now, too. But, uh, look, there's a lot of talent in that team, and, and uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out one way or the other. Um, I'll tell you what, real quick, i got to look at it. I mean, I was watching the Seattle highlights against Canadians the other night, and, man, Grubauer, he made some huge yeah. stops in that game, man. And, I, you know, I like, I like that Seattle team. I like what they did. I love the whole – that is a great. That is definitely a hockey town there, Steve. No doubt about it. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Love it. You figure that built that building is going to be sold out every night. And if Grubauer can step in and, and make some big saves like he played the other night, and that's a pretty fun offensive team up there once they get it going. 
Yeah, they're, they're definitely fun to watch. The uniforms are very pretty. <laughs> they're, they're great <laughs> to watch on TV. The fans are super into it. I mean, that's a great sports town. We know that with their soccer team and the Seahawks. And, you know, they just uh, they just love their sports. So I think, you know, this team puts together a few good games. They've already got the support. Um, they're at least going to hang around. Um they're uh, they're just a lot of fun to watch, and Grubauer has been fantastic. I mean, he's been great in Colorado. He was great in Colorado, and he's just a really solid netminder, and and that's what you need to keep your your team in the game, especially as as they're still trying to work out the the new team feel. They got that new team smell, um, but they they're fun to watch. I, I enjoy watching them, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining first season. Not not Vegas Golden Knights entertaining, but you know enough to not you know look like some of these other teams and that are uh, winless in the league. Well, Steve, they're you know they're definitely as, better than that. Yeah, and you know Steve as good as I. That Pacific Division isn't as strong as it used to be. So No. That could mm-hmm. cause a little trouble in there. So we'll see what happens. Flyers Absolutely. came in and messed up Edmonton's all plans for the season here last night. So uh, they're, they're, they, they're beatable <laughs> too, man. So it's all good stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, uh, look, look. That, uh, go ahead. I was going to say Carter Hart. I mean, he could look so bad for some stretches and then he just shuts the door and then he just, he, he held it together so that Philly could win that game. But man, yeah. Uh, Edmonton is, uh, they're, uh, they're an interesting club for sure. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, McDavid and Drysdale. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch all season long here. And, uh, you're bang on about Carter, man. I mean, that kid, he can look like <laughs> a, a Vezina trophy winner, uh, some nights. And then, like I said, he just struggles. And that's just the history of goaltending. In Philadelphia, it is what it is. Yep. So, look, brother. Um, real quick on the Devils. Uh, look, they're five games in. It's it's early here. Um, hanging around. The the thing that I just wanted to point out with the Devils this week is, uh, you know, PK. Uh, you know, being in the news here with some of the play and some of the trippings involved and fines and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of out of character for him. Just kind of get your quick take on that. Yeah, I I don't think there's a whole lot of maliciousness behind it. I, I just think if you watch PK, he just it's just not very good anymore. I mean, he's lost a step or two or three. Um, he's having a tough time keeping up in the, when in the play and he's resorted to some more of the, the grabbing and the holding type things. And he's just kind of getting himself caught in these situations. He's, he's just been really bad. Um, and I, I hate saying that I really like PK. I, I mean, like I told you the great story about yeah. last season with the autograph with my daughter and stuff. He's just a great guy, but he's just, He's uh, he's just not looked very good. And I think you're that, you know, these these things that are going on are just kind of a result of that. Um, just look real sloppy and out of sorts. But hopefully he can kind of he can kind of pull himself together. He's playing third pairing minutes, so he's not getting overly exposed. So I, I just hope for his sake and the team's sake that he can he can kind of just uh, pull it together. I know he's been a slow starter, so um, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on that. Uh, as far as the team goes, I mean, that was a rough night, rough first period against the uh Calgary but you know you're down to your third and fourth string goalie so uh you would expect that but you know like you said it's still early Jack Hughes um I saw an interesting stat Uh, I think the league leader in takeaways this season uh might be Eberle has 11 through seven games and Jack played two games and had 10 takeaways so uh, obviously they're missing his his presence and uh you know it's it's just one of those things hopefully they have a nice showing tonight and we just kind of we kind of go from there. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping my expectations tempered. Yes, well, it's like I said, I think everybody's <laughs> just got to kind of, you know, chill a little bit here this early in the season. <laughs> I mean, personally for me, I you know, I look forward, like I said, the next two weeks here uh, once teams get over the 10, 15-game mark and we can start really giving them the business that they truly exactly. deserve, Steve. 
All right, look, man, the focus today obviously has been the uh, the unfortunate story in the inve- uh, investigation here coming out of Chicago, uh, dealing with the Blackhawks here. Um, you know, the, uh, unfortunately, Kyle Beach, the victim here, and, uh, you know, Stan Bowman, uh, McDonough, Al McIsaac, uh, all these guys uh, getting fired, let go. The bad news here, Quenville, obviously, um, meetings today, Shovel Day of two uh, up in Winnipeg. He's coming down the line. Some really... Um, Unfortunate, uh, like cringeworthy interviews there yesterday with Taze and Kane. Uh, bad situation. Yeah. You know the deal here, Scotty. So basically, I'm going to throw it back to you and and get your take on this whole thing and and, and just hear your opinion and, and we'll maybe just go back and forth a little bit about it. Oof. Yeah, just really, really, really ugly stuff. I mean, uh, it's a it's a very dark day uh, for the NHL. Dark few days. Um, I just don't see, you know. Anything less than all of those the parties involved losing their job just seems like a, a gross uh, misjustice. I, I, I think the NHL, the team, Blackhawks, obviously uh, did not handle it uh, correctly. The, to put the, the winning above the, the health and the welfare of, of some of these human beings that are on their team, it's just just some really disgusting stuff. I you know I I understand. Florida is off to an amazing start, but Quenville, there's no way he can just escape this without anything. Uh, that a two million dollar fine was ridiculous. You think about it. What happened to uh, Arizona just for for uh, having some guys come in for workouts, or even what happened with Devils and Kovalchuk? They got a three million dollar fine just for the way they structured their contract. So for them to only get a two million dollar fine, you know, it, there just really needs to be a, a, some some heavy, heavy, heavy punishment that comes down in this and. I mean that the NHL has done has tried to do so much over the last several years with the the Bell Let's Talk and mental health and and all sorts of different things to and and to let this kind of come out and not get just just you know put a strong iron fist down in this team and man I just I don't know where it ends or but something else has got to be done because right now um, it's really you're taking away from what has otherwise been a really uh, promising time for the NHL with the TV deals and that kind of stuff. It just it just leaves a really nasty taste in your mouth. Yeah, I can I can tell by the exasperation in your voice here that you're not too confident that those things that you think and and you know I, I would say agree here with uh, Joe and, and Tab today as well that um, those things probably aren't going to happen. I mean the two million dollars no. here, um, you know whether Quenville gets fired or Shell Day and 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 you know how this continues. Uh, uh, the accountability amongst his teammates over the years, um, all this stuff. I mean, you know, I was talking with the other guys too, you know, Steve and, and me, me, you and Tab, we're, we're dads, you know, we have kids, yeah. we have kids in sports and we talk about how we hand them off to our, you know, coaches and, you know, administrators yeah. and everything else. And we trust them with that, the safety and the security of uh, our children when we hand them off to getting involved in sports too. At the end of the day, all the thing you talk about here with the team, the championships, the coaches, legacy and everything else and I mentioned before in the other interviews too, is I think fans, what they need to do is close your eyes and, and, and imagine Kyle Beach is your child. Uh, and, and right. you know, his parents and his brothers yeah. and sisters and his family and stuff like that. So, I mean, that that angle of it from the human aspect of it, where sports really doesn't mean anything when it comes down to what Kyle went through here. Absolutely not. And, and to expand on that, not only did Kyle go through what, what he went through, they allowed this i'm not even going to say his name this person to then move on and then uh continue this with with kids at, at, at a different level i mean mm-hmm. th- this all could have been taken care of right there it could have been 
handled with and, and dealt with correctly, but it was allowed to be covered up, to push, brushed aside and for it to continue. And that, that, that too, that, I mean, uh, like you said, I, I, I'm struggling to find the words because I'm just so angry about it. And, and, and the fact that you're saying, you know, imagine that Kyle Beach is, is your child. It's just, uh, it, it hurts. I feel for him. I, I hurt for him. And, and it's just, it's just all disgusting all the way around. And, and man, when this first started to come out, you, 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 you don't want to imagine the worst, but man, as the details came out and, and that, that press conference and the things these, the, the players have said, and uh, some of these comments that have come out from the Chicago, but like you said, Taves and Kane, it, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just gross. I feel gross even having to like talk about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we as older guys too and stuff, and like I said, we're, we're dads, and we've all played sports ourselves, and, you know, it's it's not only this, it's, you know, other, ty- you know, ra- NHL has dealt with racism and uh, homophobia, yep. all this stuff, all these causes, all this right. stuff, and, and unfortunately, it's, it gets back to the big boys club and, and, and how these things are kind of brushed aside and moving forward. Like, I, we love the game. Yep. That's why we do this show. We love talking about the sport. We love talking about mm-hmm. these players. But this is serious, and it needs to be recognized, and there needs right. to be a discussion about this, and it needs the shit. And, and by the way, Steve, we put the ex- explicit label on the show today. It needs to effing. <laughs> it needs to effing stop, man. This shit is just. Yeah. It's got to. It's just got to stop. I mean, what? What do you? What? What's going to make a guy like you, a dad, happy about where this goes? Because you know this isn't over, Steve. This investigation's got to play out a little bit. Right. But you know, a two million dollar fine giving a slap on a wrist, the suspension or anything else, that basically just kind of lets everybody know that that's what if that's what the punishment's going to be, then the hiding of this stuff or the, you know, pushing this stuff aside is going to continue. Absolutely. Like I said, there needs to be uh, everybody involved needs to lose their job and they need to be unhired. They cannot be hired again. I don't care about the resume or what they're doing right now. If you knew what was going on, and you put your own interests ahead of that of, of, of Kyle and others, you need to lose your job. The, the Blackhawks are complicit in, they ruined this kid's life. I mean, he was a high draft pick. Um, and then, you know, I saw the things people were posting about all the articles about what a bust he was and, and you know, wasted draft pick and this and that. And nobody except for those guys in that room knew what was going on with this young yep. man. Mm-hmm. And that there needs to be something done because like you, you made an excellent point. Well, who's to say that it won't get swept under. And we know that this goes on in, in the, in peewee hockey and junior hockey and all this kind of stuff. This is not the first time we've heard of this. Maybe, maybe at the NHL level, but it has gone on in these other levels of hockey and there needs to be something done. And it needs to at the NHL level, the highest level where all eyes are on media attention the NHL needs to come out and, and have a strong stance on it. None of these guys should ever work again. The team should face – I don't even know what they can do, more fine sanctions, something like that. But, man, this is certainly not enough for the what has occurred. Yeah, no, I mean, look, ultimately you have to start – you have to erode, you know, the cancer. You have to get – you have to – you know, you got to zap it out. You got to get rid of it. I think people losing their jobs is really going to be the main thing um, yeah, that that has to be the main thing as far as I'm concerned in terms of this, uh, you know, uh, if there's going to be any kind of hope of this. I mean, and, you know, in addition to this, you know, we, we see uh, guys like Leonard, 
You know, we've seen Dan Caracciolo. Absolutely. Um, all these guys talking about uh, other issues. You know, we've we've had the, the racism issue here in, in the NHL and, and juniors and hockey. And you bring up people. Yep. Like I said, this and this, unfortunately, is not just a hockey thing. Um, right. This is a sports thing. Um, right. Female sports, too. We all know about the United States gymnastics team, all this stuff. It's just horrible stuff. And it all comes down to people who are in charge. And when, when winning championships and success – on fields and ice, it becomes more important than the you know the um, the safety and the health uh, of an athlete or a person or a human being here. I think this is the the real, you know, this is what angers me. It's angering you. It's anger Tab. It's anger Joe. And like I said, this is the stuff that uh, infuriates you. And, and again, I know I'm repeating myself here too, but like as a dad, you know, that's think of Kyle's parents. I mean, it's just it's just and and the league. I, I cross my fingers, but Steve, unfortunately, in this country too, accountability at large these days yeah. does not seem to be taken seriously. Absolutely. I, I think that was uh, something I was thinking about when you were talking. I think a lot of people are, are you know, accountability is just something that, that doesn't seem to really exist anymore. Um, we're, we're living in a weird time. Um, you know, you bring up the, the U.S. Olympic uh, gymnasts and it was nice to see, you know, their support. The fact that this young man, you know, they could have left. He could have left himself as a John Doe, but he came out and, and unfortunately he's going to be the face of this whole thing. But I really commend his bravery and him just being able to come out and, and just talk about it. And because, you know, he wants something to be done about it. And I, I think people really need to take that into consideration. But this guy, he he came forward. He, he wants it to you know, to be out there and know that it's not just, it's not just the women. It's not just young girls. It's men. It's these boys. It's these things that go on. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a human problem. And oh, man, it's just, it's just really, like I said, just a really dark, dark few days for this league right now. Yeah. And I know as, as a fan, as all of us as fans of the game, you know, you, you just, you, you know, but we have to, you know, this has to be taken seriously. Yeah. And for our game, for our sport, for our players, mm-hmm. and for the parents of young kids who aspire to be players in this great game. Right. There has to be a showing of that this shit will not be tolerated. Absolutely. And the evil people, the predators, and those who will either condone... Or brush these guys aside. These people need to be extricated out of not only sports, but in daily life. They're they're complicit with the offenders. They're with the predators. They, the complicity is what you know. That's what's going on right now. You've had all these people knowing, and you're not doing anything about it. It needs to be removed from the sports. You know, we we talk every day about growing. Uh, the sport of hockey and how can we make hockey more appealing to uh, you have parents have their kids play. This sure is the way to go about it. That's for sure. Um, Man, it's just, it's just a real shame. You know, it's one of the premier franchises in the NHL. Uh, Obviously they're off to a horrendous start and this comes out. It's just, it's just ugly. It's just, it makes the NHL just look really, really pathetic in my eyes. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, um, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks as an organization here have an opportunity to lead the way and, and maybe possibly the Florida Panthers as an organization. Right. 
And the Winnipeg Jets also have an opportunity here to, um, you know, make an example and make this right. If Not the perfect. 7-0 and Florida Panthers remove their coach who was involved in this, that shows me at least that that organization puts the people above the winning. And I think that's important. It's very important. All right, brother, we're going to leave it there today. Serious stuff. We'll get back to it yeah. here next week and, and hopefully get back. Look, this we know this isn't going to end here today. This is going to continue right. on. Uh, I know me, you, and the guys will continue uh, speaking our thoughts on this as well, too. And we've also got to be a part of it, too, in terms of our conversations here. This shit has to Absolutely. stop, folks. we got to take care this of our kids. All right? Steve? All right, my man. I love you, man. Uh, quick hit today, but we'll get back to it as, as normal here next week. And uh, have a super weekend. And the best of your kids and the family. And have a super weekend. All right, brother? Yep. Go home and hug the kids, man. Absolutely. All right, brother. Take care. Right. Take care. Bye. Steve Palombo. Right here on THS. Always giving us a great take. All right. That's a wrap on a very serious show. And I'll repeat what I said at the beginning of the show today if you did listen to the show today please share it please share your feelings your comments too and please along with us and everybody else now that's, that's getting behind Kyle Beach and, and everyone who's been affected by any kind of abuse be an advocate be an advocate for kids be an advocate for being a good leader stand up get help reach out be a good person this shit's gotta stop So look, all of us here at THS, on behalf of me, Joe, Tab, Steve, and Costa as well, we can't thank you enough here for for listening to THS. And again, follow us, hang out with us, give us some feedback, grow this show with us, and we're not going anywhere. And hopefully there's better days ahead, primarily for Kyle Beach and his family, and for anybody who's affected by any type of abuse. It's got to stop, folks going on too long. People need to be held accountable. All right. Again, thank you so much. THS is out. We'll be back here next week as we always will. And again, I can't thank you guys enough for listening to that hockey show right here on the Go Sports Media Network. Take care of yourselves and be good. All right? Stay healthy. THS is out.